0: You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Right. How about that? Awesome. We have such incredible creativity and talent on our media team. it's awesome. Uh, I think it's the, the, the just human nature that when you accomplish something really big, something significant that you 've been working towards for some time. Uh, you kind of feel like your, your, your purpose in life has been accomplished, right? It, it can be something that you've been working towards and, and just putting your energy and effort into. And once you accomplish that, it's like, okay... Now, the end has come, right? This is the pinnacle of my life. And I remember having that experience when I was a senior in college. Uh, I was coming to my last semester, and I had an incredibly difficult semester, uh, a lot of very hard classes, literally wrote hundreds of pages of papers, and I had this, this thesis that was due. That was a, a huge project. And literally, when I, when I think about the, that period of my life, I mean, I, I worked all the time. I, I hardly slept. I, I literally survived on Red Bull and coffee, right, very balanced diet, and uh, just not healthy. But, but everything that I was doing was focused on one thing, and that was graduation. It was like, okay, everything, I can put this in, I can do this for this time, I can push myself ultimately to accomplish the, the purpose that I wanted, which was getting that college diploma. And I remember... Coming to the end of that semester, right, my thesis had been turned in, Uh, I had gotten my grades, passed my classes, walked across the stage, got my diploma, and went and sat down back in my chair. And and literally, I felt like I had accomplished the purpose of my life, right, and that basically from then on, everything was just going to be kind of a downhill coast, right, Now, now clearly, I was very naive, right? That was far from the end. It was only the beginning. Uh, But I think that that can be how we, we think even as a church, right? And where we're at at this time at Foothills Church is... God has done some incredible things in our church. I mean, we have we have seen incredible growth uh, numerically. We've seen a lot of of people who have trusted in Christ as their Savior. We've we've had a lot of people who have who have gone through the waters of baptism. Uh, you know, events like just when we were at Easter at the Clayton Center, seeing you know over two thousand people coming to worship King Jesus with Foothills Church. And when we look at that, like it it can almost feel like okay, we've we've kind of accomplished our purpose now. Right, Like, man, God's done these incredible things, and, and we, can, we can feel like now we just kind of coasted out, right? We just kind of step, step back, and, and, and I want to challenge us this morning that what we have experienced up to this point at Foothills Church is not the ceiling, but just the foundation of what God wants to do, right? This is just the foundation, the beginning that God wants to build upon, not the, the ceiling that's the height of all that he wants to do. And so when we consider that, the the challenge we want to give through this sermon series and and through this sermon this morning is is to say, let's go, right? Let's not just settle and just accept that this is where we are, but let's let's keep moving forward. Let's keep going. And and the concept of let's go uh, comes from an athlete. Now, many of you all uh, may have watched uh, the March Madness tournament games over the last few weeks. And, man, incredible games, some incredible shots, especially that championship game. And when you watch uh, an athlete in whatever sport, when they hit a big shot or, or do something great, they'll go, let's go, right? Like, Come on, let's go. Now, they don't just stop and just celebrate that one shot, right, and just kind of stay there and just celebrate and do it. But, but what they're doing when they're saying let's go is, is they're building on that momentum, right? They're hyped, they're excited, but they want that to lead the team to kind of rally around them to keep going and ultimately to win the game, and that's kind of where we as, are as a church. We're saying, man, we've, we've hit some great shots, right? God's done some incredible things, but, but the game's far from over, right? And so don't settle in, but let's go. Let's keep moving forward. Let's do all that we possibly can to accomplish all that that God has called us to for the glory of Christ. Now, now as we move ahead and as we say, let's go, let's keep moving forward, uh, ultimately we need to make sure that we're focused on the right things, right, that, that, that in our efforts and, and in our moving ahead, that we're, we're moving in the right direction to where God has called us to. And so the, the, the way that we do that is, is by just being anchored in the word of God, right? We want this to direct every single thing that we do as a church. And so, uh, and so this morning, we're going to be looking at God's word in, in Jeremiah 29, and we're going to be looking at what God has called us to, but, but I believe that if you look at the scriptures, Right, this one we're looking at this morning, as well as across the Bible. What God clearly calls us to as a church is to not let the work that He does stop with you. That he, He's calling us to not let the work that He does, even in this church, to stop with this building or, or to stop with this group of people. But He is constantly telling His people to, that what He does in them, He wants to to see work through them to impact the lives and the communities and the cities and the people around them. And I believe that's what God has has clearly called us to as a church, say let's not stop with what God is doing in us or in this group of people or inside this building, but let this flow through us and impact others who, who are not here, right, those who are out in the city this morning. Ultimately, we don't just want to be a church that's in the city. We want to be a church that's for the city. We want to be a church that impacts the community and city around us. And so we'll be looking, as I said, in Jeremiah 29. So if you ever have your Bibles, you can open there. We're just going to look at a few verses, verses 4 through 7. So beginning, Jeremiah 29 and verse 4, the word of God says to us this morning, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you have done in and through Foothills Church. Father, we thank you for the fact that you have have worked so miraculously and so graciously to us to bring us to where we are today. But, Father, we collectively say we don't want to stop. We don't want to settle. Father, we want to continue to move ahead, to do everything that we can to bring glory to the name of Jesus, to see lives change. to see our city transformed. But, God, we know that in order to do that, we need your power. And this morning, we need your direction. We need your guidance. And so, Father, we pray that as we look into your word, God, that you would speak to us. You would give us clear direction. And, Father, that you would give us the faith and ability to respond in obedience. And, God, that's our desire this morning. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Was as I said, we don't want to just be a church that's in the city. We want to be a church that's for the city. And I believe there are four things in Jeremiah twenty-nine four through seven that show us what it looks like for a church to be for the city. The first thing that we see is a church that is for the city makes long-term investment, makes a long-term investment in the city. Now, I have I've talked to several people since I've been to Maryville at Foothills Church, who were born and raised and have pretty much stayed right here in this area of East Tennessee. So, so just as a survey, how many of you all were born in, in generally this area of East Tennessee? Raise your hands. Okay, so, so quite a few. Now, many of you all may have friends that you've had since kindergarten. I've talked to people who would say, man, I've been, I've, I have friends that I've literally been friends with since I was in kindergarten. And that blows me away, right? That is something that is so foreign to anything I have experienced. Because when I was growing up, we moved a lot uh, through my dad. My dad went to a few different schools, and then he had a few different jobs. And so we literally moved consistently from—I was born in Abilene, Texas. Uh, we moved from Abilene to Chicago, Illinois. We moved back to Texas— we moved from Texas to Dayton, Ohio. We moved from Dayton, Ohio to Louisville, Kentucky. And all that happened before I graduated from high school. Now, some of you guys, military, some others, you, you may have moved even more than that. But even since I've been married, you know, with school and uh, all of that, we've, con- we've moved. And so for me, there's never been this concept that some of you experience of just having these, these roots in a place, right? Knowing people and, and knowing the place so well as, 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 as being a home. And, and so it's difficult for me to, to even comprehend that, right? It, it, I can have a hard time like, like feeling just grounded in one place or thinking long term, not that I don't want to, but just based on my experience. Uh, it, it can be difficult to, to think of one place as a home, as roots, but some of you all have experienced that. But we are coming to a, a passage of scripture uh, where, where the, the Israelites have been in a place that was their home. Right. They've been in a place in the city of Jerusalem that was their home, and it was familiar to them. Uh, you know, they, they had a place there. They knew the people. They, they, they had some, some influence and power. And what has happened is basically they've consistently strayed from obeying God. They've consistently had like Jeremiah, this prophet, and others come to them and, and, and challenge them and say, God's calling you to obey him, to turn from your sin. And they keep rejecting the prophets. And ultimately what's happened as a result of that is the city of Babylon has come in and just wreaked havoc on Jerusalem. They've come in and they're this incredibly powerful, violent, uh, you know, just worldly city and they have come in and they have, have killed many of the Israelites in Jerusalem, sacked the city, and then taken... Uh, uh, the, the remaining Israelites, who are still alive, out of Jerusalem, and they've brought them into their city, the city of Babylon. And that's where the people of God are when Jeremiah writes this. They have brought into the city of Babylon. And ultimately, <clears throat> what they want to hear now from God's prophets is, is that, that they just need to settle in and hold on for a little while And pretty soon God's going to come and he's going to take them back out. He's going to take them back home. That's what they want. That's what they want to hear. But instead, God tells them through his prophet Jeremiah the exact opposite thing. In verse 5, he tells them their command is to build houses and live in them. Now, there's something very permanent about building or buying a house. Uh, When Jill and I and our, our, our son Judson moved here, we're pregnant with John Martin, uh, we, we moved into an apartment complex, in fact, right across the street, and we lived in that apartment complex for just shy of a year, and when you're in an apartment complex, there's a sense of freedom there, right? You know you're in it, but, but it may not be permanent. You know you can pretty much move at any time, as long as you give them a 30-day notice, and you can, you know, basically if something breaks, like I would pick up the phone and call, and someone would show up to fix it. Right? I didn't have to keep up with the yard. Everything was, was pretty well done for me. So, so there's not a lot of ownership. Right? There's not a lot of permanence. But then you buy a house. right? <clears throat> and, and for some reason, when I, when I called back over, they don't want to come and fix my house now. Right? I don't know what happened there. But all of a sudden, I'm responsible for everything, right? You have to, to keep up all of the details, and, 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 and there's a sense of permanence, right? You've invested financially, you're, you're in this thing, and, and, and so now you own it. There's a, there's a permanence and an ownership that comes with buying a house. And, and, and that's what God is saying to the Israelites. He's saying, I know you guys want to get out of here soon. They want this to be a camping trip, right? They want this to be, you know, throw up your tent, in the morning you can break camp and get out of here. And God says, no, it's, this is not a short-term situation, but you need to make a long-term investment in the city. You need to build a house and live in it to put down roots in the city of Babylon. And when you, when you look at the different things God calls them to in verses 4 through 6, they're very permanent, long-term things. He says, plant gardens and eat their produce. And if any of you guys have tried to plant stuff to eat, right? It's not easy. Uh, it, it doesn't just happen overnight. Right? We've planted things, and I want to say this, there's a difference between planting things to eat and eating things that you plant. Right? <laughs> there's a big difference there. There's a lot that has to happen between the planting and the eating, and so far we haven't figured all that out. And what he's saying here is he's saying this is a long-term investment. You're, you're growing crops. You're, you're planning on providing for your family. And Then beyond just planning, um, he says take wives and have children. Right? So start a family. But then not just start your own family, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, right? So the next step, so, you, so now you're dealing with your kids getting married, and then beyond that, that they may bear sons and daughters, And so what God is telling them is he's saying, you need to settle in and invest for the long term. Not just for a period of your life, but for your kids and your grandkids and future generations. He says you have to stop thinking short term and begin making long term investments in the city. And I think there's a component of this that that applies to us as Christians and where we are even right now as a church. Um, is is God is is telling us, look, you guys are in this city, you're in this place, and you need to begin making long-term investments. You need to not just think about your lives, right, or your your immediate family. You need to begin making investments and thinking down the line towards future generations, right? Not not just thinking about what's going to happen over the next few months, or even the next few years, or even the next few decades, Right, but into multiple generations, kids and, and people who don't even exist right now, right, begin thinking with that long-term focus towards future generations. And this is incredibly difficult for us because we are so wired to think about things from a very short-term perspective. Right? You think about the next project that you've got to get done, or or the next big thing that's coming in your life, or the next vacation, or whatever it is. I know we've got students in here this morning. Maybe some of you all are graduating, or or you're just looking forward to the last day of school, and that's kind of really big right now. There's a few weeks left, and you're done, and and that's kind of how we think, right? It's just what's right ahead of us, what's short term, and ultimately in Jeremiah 29, God calls us to think beyond the now, to begin thinking about the context of our kids, our grandkids, our legacy into future generations. And ultimately what he wants to see is, is that, that we are setting things up. We are working and investing to the point that the future generations will make an impact for the glory of God. That we are beginning now to think and invest in such a way that, that children and grandchildren and future generations will make an incredible impact. And this is what he says in verse six. He says, multiply there and do not decrease, right? And, and the point that he's saying is don't just kind of settle in or assimilate or, uh, you know, but ultimately, I want to see your impact grow, right? The Babylonians don't need to just kind of impact you and your future generations become more and more Babylonian. But your impact in the city needs to grow. You need to, to have a bigger and Im, bigger impact, leading the Babylonians to worship God, changing the culture, and ultimately changing the entire city. He wants them to multiply their impact to increase and not decrease. And in and, and, and some level, he wants them to be like kudzu, right? Now, some of you guys know kudzu. You see, it, you're driving along the road, and you'll see like this this blanket of green that's covering, you know, forests. And and kudzu is a plant that was that was originally in China, and it was brought over actually to the, the southeast region, uh, kind of as a decorative plant. People liked the way it looked, and, and uh, it was kind of going to be a shade plant. And and then the government decided, hey, this plant grows really well. We have a problem with soil erosion, and so we're going to start planting it so that sort of kind of put in roots, and so soil won't erode. And man, did they make a big mistake, right? It has not stopped growing. In fact, kudzu grows at over 2,500 acres a year. And that is with all of our current efforts to slow its growth, right? And so it is just taking, I mean, you see, I mean, it takes over trees, it takes over houses, it takes over power lines. I mean, it just runs rampant. In fact, uh, the kudzu has been nicknamed the vine that ate the south. <laughs> I love that. But I think that's God's picture for us, right? That's what he wants for the Israelites in the city of Babylon to see their influence multiply, the impact multiply. I think that's what he wants for us as well. He wants our impact to multiply across our city, but not just now, right? Yes, impact multiplied across the city now, but even more and more multiplied exponentially throughout future generations, right? He, he's saying, man, at Foothills Church, someday, there will be missionaries and business leaders and doctors and politicians and professors and coaches and pastors who will look back and see how their lives and the lives of those around them were shaped by what happened right now at Foothills Church. That that as, as they are spread literally across the city and the state and the world, that they will look back and see the way that the investment that Foothills Church made for the gospel, for, to see the cities impacted for the glory of Christ, that that investment had such ripple effects throughout generations that literally the world was transformed through the call of Christ on this church. That's, that's our dream, right? That's what we want. We don't want to settle, just think now, 10 years. We want to think through the ripple effects of generations to come that we can make through our investment for the glory of Christ. And ultimately, I know Pastor Trent's talked about this in the past, he'll continue to talk, but that's the heart behind us wanting to build this auditorium, right? It's, it's not just about a new building or number of seats. We want to continue to see the impact of the gospel of Christ multiply through Foothills Church. We want to see more and more lives changed and families transformed and and people in our city gathering to worship Jesus Christ, right? We don't want to settle for anything less than what God has for us. And we would continue to see that impact of of people saved and and lives changed and communities transformed, not just now, but for future generations. And so ultimately, that's what we believe God has called us to, to make a long-term investment for the gospel of Christ into future generations. But the second point that we see is a church that is for the city works for the welfare of the city. In verse 7, God says, to seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you in to exile. Now, ultimately, this this would have been, I mean, just, just imagine this, how incredibly difficult this would have been for the Israelites. God is saying, hey, you know the people That came into your city, you were living your lives and going about your business and the people who came in and they killed your family, they killed your friends, they ripped you out of your city, out of your home, they brought you into exile in this foreign, you know, violent city of Babylon, I want you to give your lives working for their welfare, (laughs) I want to you to give your lives working for the welfare and the peace and the prosperity of those people in their city. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine how incredibly difficult that would be? But ultimately, this is the call that God has given us as his church. He's called us to work for the welfare of the city. Now, obviously, we're not dealing with people who have attacked us and our enemies and all of that. But he's saying the, the place that I've put you in, right, you need to work for the welfare of the city and the people and the counties. Surrounding you. Now, the, now the term welfare uh, is the Hebrew term shalom. And, and some of us may have heard that that, that term means peace, uh, but it's ultimately much bigger than that. The word shalom means, means universal flourishing. And, and so the concept is that you are to work, when you look at the city and the community and the people around you, you're to work to see their flourishing, right? To see their health, to see their prosperity, uh, to, to, to see things ultimately work together for the, their welfare. And, and that's the call that He's given us. To seek the welfare of the city. And, and for most of us, when, when we look at a city, mostly what we ask about the city is, is what it has to offer us. Right? Most, most of the time, when we look at a city, we're, we're kind of evaluating. Some of you guys have moved here. Did, you, know, you look at, and you say, what, is, what does the city have to offer me? Right? So, so maybe you're like me, and uh, you know, when you look at a city, you're asking about the food. Right? You're like, man... What kind of Mexican restaurants you guys at, right? What, what, what kind of coffee shops? What are the, what's the best barbecue? I've had that conversation this week, believe it or not. Um, and, and ultimately, we, we can ask even much bigger questions than that. Like, what programs does the city have to offer my kids, right? What, how, how will this help my family, or what are fun things to do with my family, or, or how will it benefit us? But, but you see, the point is when we look at a city, we ask, basically, what can we take from it, right? What does the city have to offer us. But I want to challenge us this morning that we don't just ask what the city has to meet our needs or our desires, but we ask what do we have to offer to meet the needs of the city. Right? Not just not just how does what does the city have to offer me, but what do, what do we have to offer the city? I mean, this is what God says to the Israelites in Jeremiah 29. Don't just take from the city, give to the city. Don't just seek your own welfare. Seek the welfare of the city, and this is ultimately what he's called us to. But but the truth is we we don't just seek the welfare or the flourishing or the health or the growth of a city just because it's a good thing to do, right? And this is what I think separates Christians from others who have an interest in the city is we don't just do it because it's a good thing to do or it meets some internal need within us, but ultimately we do it because it's a picture of the gospel that has saved us. You see, the Bible tells us that in the beginning, God created a world that was perfect. With complete flourishing and health and peace and prosperity. And everything worked perfectly and was in perfect harmony. But beginning with the first man and woman and continuing to every single person here this morning, we have rejected God. We've we've turned away from the God who loves us and gave us that world and gone our own way. And as a result of our sin and rebellion against God... Everything has broken. There's sickness, there's death, there's hostility, there's broken relationships, there's violence. All of these things are a result of our sin. And the world continues to spiral downward, but the good news is that God loves us. And he looked upon our brokenness and and this world that was cursed by sin. And he comes into this world He takes on flesh as the person of Jesus, and he dies on the cross. He takes our sin and the effects of our sin and our brokenness upon himself at the cross. And he dies to take the penalty and the punishment for our sin. And then as we just celebrated on Easter, three days later, he rose from the grave, right, victorious over the power of, of sin and death. But the Bible tells us that that's not the end of the story, because one day Christ will return and when he returns he will completely restore everything right everything will will go back to the state of flourishing that god intended and he will set up his reign and rule forever and for all of eternity right all sin will be gone all pain will be gone all suffering will come to an end and we'll experience complete joy and peace and flourishing throughout all of eternity and that's the promise that we hold to but what Jesus says to his church is, I want you to give the city that you are a part of a foretaste of what that will be like. I want you to begin showing the community that I've placed you in what it will look like when I return and reign as king. We're, we're to be, in, in, in the way that we live and into the, the way that we serve our city, we're to be like a, a preview of a movie, right? And, and some of you guys, you've seen a, a movie preview And you're like, man, this movie looks incredible. And and then you go pay $23 to watch it, and you're like, man, that movie was terrible, right? I should have just watched the preview. I've heard some people say that about this new Batman Superman, which is a weird concept to me. Like, these are two good guys. Why are they fighting? But anyway, so people will see these previews like, man, i got to see this movie. It's going to be incredible. And they go, and they're like, man, it was totally disappointing. This is what was wrong. This is what was wrong. But the concept is, is that the preview of our lives in our church is, is not going to be disappointing when the real thing comes, right? I mean, I mean, we just show in small part just a small picture of the incredible glory and reality of what life will be like when Jesus reigns as king over all. And so what we do in order to accomplish that, that, that call that God has given is we look around us and we ask, where is their brokenness? right? Where are things not as they should be? Where is their abuse or or injustice? Where are their children who are neglected and and hungry? Where are families who are homeless or or single moms who are struggling or or people who are endangered? Where where are the people who are trapped in addiction? Where are the schools that, that don't have the resources they need? Where are the sick people who aren't getting care? And we look at these, at these areas where there's a lack of flourishing, where there's evidence of of clear brokenness. And when we see that things are not as they should be, we seek to care for those needs. We seek to serve those people, to to help bring about their well-being and flourishing through the power of Christ. And as we do that, we will begin giving them a picture of the kingdom of Christ. We'll show them what Jesus is, what kind of king Jesus is, and what life is like under his kingdom and authority. And we know in the kingdom of Christ, the sick are healed. In the kingdom of Christ, the naked will be clothed. In the kingdom of Christ, the hungry will be fed, the captives will be set free, and the fatherless will be fathered. Ultimately, everyone in the kingdom of Christ will have plenty and no one will have need. Right? That's the reality. And we recognize we can't ultimately bring that about now. That will never happen ultimately until Christ returns and reigns as king. But right now, we begin to give a foretaste of that. We begin to give a picture of what life will be like in the kingdom of Christ. And, and I think that, that that's our call as Christians individually, but that's our call as a church collectively. And and so this is our challenge right now, moving ahead, how do we do this well, right? How, how, do, we, how do we bring about the flourishing of our city? And, and I think there's a lot of answers to this, right? My hope is that, that a lot of us ask this question, and God does incredible things in the future through us. But, but right now, one very short-term way that we're trying to do this uh, for one week is Let's Go Week, right? And it actually begins next Saturday. And, and what we're trying to do is take some different organizations in our community that are kind of trying to meet these needs, and, and we're going to try to partner with them, or, or maybe there's some other needs that we've been uh, connected with that we, we want to meet, and so we have put all of these together, and, and our challenge for all of our small groups, but even not just our small groups, for everybody who's part of Foothills Church to go and sign up and serve for, for one week in these projects, right? You can go to foothillschurch.com go and, and register, but our hope is, is just in a small way to, to seek the flourishing of our city through these projects and to partner with organizations who are seeking to accomplish this as well. But obviously, that's just a small picture. I mean, beyond that, we have, we have several ways that we partner in the community. You can see all of those at foothillschurch.com slash local, some of the different ministries that we have here, ways we're trying to, to seek the flourishing of the city and meet practical needs. But, but honestly, you just have to ask yourself, what, what are the needs? Just look around, Right? I mean, just see where are people broken, where uh, are people in need, and how can we meet those? But whatever you do, don't just spend your life seeking your own welfare. Give your life seeking to bring about the welfare and the flourishing of those around you. The third point that we see is that a church that is for the city understands God's plan for you in the city. Now, when we talked about the fact that the Babylonians came in, they brought the, the Israelites out of Jerusalem, it would have been easy for the, for the Israelites to, to think that, that all of that events was simply because of the plan of the wicked Babylonians, right? That they're they just violent people, and, and so the cause of all that happened was them just coming in and, and just being violent, and, and, and that, that that's the reason they're in the situation they are in. But we see that Jeremiah 29 gives us a very different perspective and would have given the Israelites a very different perspective of what had happened. In verse 4, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile. Verse 7, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Ultimately, God was the one who was at work. God was the one who had a plan for bringing the Israelites into the city of Babylon. This was according to his sovereign work. This was not a random event or simply a result of human planning. This was the work of God. And I believe that the exact same truth is is evident in truth for us as well. Our God is sovereign over where we are, and he has brought us to this place, to to Maryville, Tennessee, or whatever city you call home in this area. And and he has called us here in 2016 intentionally, right? Not by accident, but for a purpose. If I went around the room and asked everybody in, this would be an interesting exercise, how did you get here? What brought you to Maryville? And, you know, there's probably, you know, a lot of you guys were born here. Some of you guys came here for a job. Whatever it was, there would be a lot of different responses. But I would say that, yes... That's true. But behind all that, I truly, absolutely believe that each one of you are here for a purpose. That God has intentionally brought you to this place at this time to accomplish his purpose. Acts 17, 26 says, God determined the allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling places. Right? God has, has brought you to the place in which you live, and it's not for just yourself. Right? It's not just about the job you have. Or, or your family, or, or all of those things, but He's brought you here for something much bigger than that, and He wants to use you for His mission to accomplish His purpose. And, and I think ultimately, that's that's the reality for each and every one of us. Is some of us may feel like, man, I don't have anything to offer, right? Or I don't know what in the world I would do in the city, or or you know what I could even begin to offer. But I would say that if you're a Christian, first of all, God has put you here on purpose. Secondly, God has given you gifts and abilities and passions to be used for his plan. And so your question is, is, is to ask yourself, how can he use me? Right? What are the needs and how do I have the passions and abilities to meet those? And ultimately give your life serving Christ. Because I believe that at this place, at this time, you are here for a purpose. And my challenge would be don't miss it right? Don't miss out on the joy and satisfaction and fulfillment that God has for you by serving his mission to bring about his glory. The final point that we see this morning is that a church that is for the city prays to the Lord of the city. When when we look at the needs of our city, when we look at uh, issues like homelessness or, or, uh, you know, one of the issues that's come up I mean, in the news and in studies, it is just the amount of, of drug addiction and drug trafficking that happens in Blunt County. It's one of the top ten counties uh, in America. And, and when you look at the realities of that and, and the families and the communities and the impact, I mean, it can feel overwhelming. Right? It can feel like, what could we possibly do? Or maybe, maybe even just looking at, at certain people's lives. And, and there's just so much wrong and, and so much difficulty. And you're like, man, I, mean, I, don't, I don't have any clue what to do. Right, It just seems hopeless. And, and I can't even hardly get myself going, let alone like, help somebody else. Like, you know, how am I going to meet the needs of the city? But I think that's exactly the place that God wants us. I think that God wants us at a place where we are saying, I am helpless, I cannot do this on my own. And that's why in verse 7 he says, pray to the Lord on its behalf. What does he ultimately tell them to do? He says, seek the welfare of the city, yes, but ultimately pray to the Lord. Why? Because they don't have the power and neither do we. right? And if we try to, to be the savior of the city or the savior of another person, you know, we won't do it. We, we won't accomplish it. We don't have the ability to do that, ultimately, on our own power. John 15, 5, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so if we depend on our own strength and our own abilities, ultimately, that kind of life will crush you. It'll be exhausting, and you just won't be able to do it. But God calls us to accomplish the purposes he has called us to by his power. He's the one who raised Christ from the dead, right? And he calls us to depend completely upon the power of God and to surrender to that and to allow Christ to work through us, right? Completely dependent on him praying. And so we do need to be burdened by the needs of our city. We need to to be burdened when we see brokenness, when we see families and communities that that are broken and hurting. We need to be burdened by that. And our response needs to be to pray, right? And then ultimately to depend on Christ to allow Him to work through us, not on our own power, but based upon His power. Because He's the one who has the power to free the addict, he is the, He's the one who has the power to show love to the fatherless, He has the power to bring healing to the sick, and He has the power to bring hope to the hopeless. You see, God loves our city. God loves the people in your neighborhood. God loves the people around us. And he wants to to seek their flourishing. He wants to, to show them his love. And the way that he does it is through his people, through us. And so ultimately God has called each of us to a purpose that's much bigger than ourselves. You're here at this place at this time for a purpose that's much bigger than a job or a great place to live. But he has called each and every one of us to be a part of showing this entire city and community what life is like where Jesus is king. And so he's called us to to see needs, to see brokenness, and to meet those through his power. To, To give our resources, to give our time, to give our energy, to give our gifts. To serve well. But even as we do it, Even as we serve and work, we do it with the mindset that one day soon the eastern sky is going to burst forth with light. And our king is going to return. And he will set all things right once and for all. And he'll look at us as we serve. And say, you can put down your shovels. You can put down the hammers. You can drop the bandages. I'll take it from here. But until he does that, let's go. Father, we, we come before you on behalf of our city. Father, we are burdened by the needs. And, and Lord, we confess that so often we're blind to those needs. Father, we don't. We don't even see them because we, we live in our own world and, and we're so short-sighted. And Father, we first of all pray that through your spirit you would give us eyes to see the needs in our city, and our community, in, in the area around us. And Father, we pray that you would use Foothills Church and the people here this morning to accomplish your purposes, to, to show the love of Christ in tangible ways, to bring about the flourishing and the welfare of this city and this community, but Father, we, we know we cannot do that on our own. Father, we know that if we tried to organize things and, and do all these in our own power, Father, it ultimately would be fruitless. And so we pray for your spirit to be in us and with us and working through us. God, we pray that you would, you would show us and guide us where you're calling us to go and that as we go, we would do it dependent upon your power. But that, Father, you would use us to bring about flourishing, to bring about welfare, welfare, to care for needs that literally seem hopeless. But ultimately, we would always do it with the mindset that you are king, and one day you're coming, and you'll restore all things. And we thank you for that hope that we have. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at FoothillsChurch.com.